What's up and welcome to the Lockdown Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for making Lockdown Reds your first listen of the day. Lockdown Reds, of course, is free and available wherever you get your podcast today. We got a special treat for you. Bronson Arroyo returns to the podcast for a two-part conversation today. Part one is all about Dusty Baker. Dude's back in the World Series and he has a shot at his first ever World Series ring. Bronson's here to tell you why he doesn't even need that. He's already a Hall of Famer in his book. Uh, We're going to talk about a lot more about Dusty Baker on today's podcast that's brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. You can find all the parts that your car will ever need at rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. All right, let's jump into this uh, talk about the World Series manager with Bronson. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is your first thought seeing Dusty get a shot at a World Series? Oh, it's, you know, I I was a little torn between, you know, watching the Red Sox, not only because I have history with the Red Sox, but also because... Christian Arroyo is playing second base for the Boston Red Sox. He went to my high school. We're not related, but we graduated 18 years apart. You know, guys used to joke that uh, that when he got drafted in the first round by the Giants, they were like, uh, that's got to be your kid, Bronson, right? And I'm like, they're like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, he's 18 and you're 36, man. That's probably that one you didn't know that got away from you, man, when you were 18 years old. And I'm like, no, no, but I did. You know, I had sat with his family and talked about, um, I knew he had been drafted in the first round. I just wanted to give him an idea of what was going to happen um, when he got into pro ball, because there's a lot of myths about, you know, how people move up in an organization or what you're going to, what you're going to come across in the minor leagues. You have no idea when you're an 18 year old kid. So, you know, I was, I was, I was rooting for, for him and the Red Sox, but also rooting for Dusty. You know, it was hard for me to kind of pick a side now that Dusty's in a world series for the first time as a manager. Um, you know, he's only been to a world series, obviously in 81 when he was a player. And, uh, you know, I know he's been wanting this for a long time. I mean, Dusty has told some stories of, um, of winning a world series. He's, he's big on dreams. He's big on a lot of kind of unorthodox things about, you know, energy. He comes in, into a, uh, a locker room and he'll, he'll burn sage to try to get all out of the bad spirits and stuff. Like he's into a lot of offbeat stuff. And he's always talked about winning the world series in a red uniform. He had said that for a long time and he obviously went from the reds and then he went over to the nationals and he was knocking on the door there. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to think that maybe he misinterpreted that dream and it was actually orange instead of red. <laughs> so I don't know, but I'll, I'll definitely be rooting for him to, to get that ring. The first thing anybody always says when they're talking about a manager, when they're talking about a player and they look at their career, they say, are they Hall of Fame worthy? Is it a World Series ring and then he's a shoe in or is he already there? Oh, I think he's already there. I mean, I mean, for me personally, I mean, I, I think there's. You know, there's two ways you can get into the, to the Hall of Fame in my mind. One is one is just to be extraordinary in a small amount of time or a shorter amount of time, like if Kershaw was to retire today, or somebody who has done it over the longevity uh, of the game, which in, in some ways is harder to do because the guys that are doing it in the short term, like a Sandy Koufax, I mean, they're just extraordinary talents. 
you know, but to get it done over a longer period of time means you're probably not an extraordinary talent and you're having to just, you know, run the race for a longer amount of time and continue to put up those consistent numbers. And, you know, Dusty has been a winner everywhere he's gone. I mean, even if you look in the years when people thought he was a failure or he got fired from the Nationals, you know, he was averaging 92, 93, 94, 95 wins a year, right? And and for me personally, you win more than 90 games as a ball club, you have done your job. I mean, regardless of what what happens in the playoffs. I mean, you get to the dance to me that is, that is doing your job. And to me, Dusty has been around for such a long time. Not only had a great career, I mean, a 280 lifetime hitter or very close to it. I mean, he had a, a, a fantastic playing career. And then as a manager, he's got just so many wins and he just hasn't had the opportunity to win, win the big dance. And a lot of times it's not, it's not just about the manager. You know, for me personally, I, I always lean on the, the, the players and, and it's also such a razor thin edge during the playoffs i mean one little thing can change the whole dynamic of a of a, of a series um you know i obviously won that one in the 04 and if you watched watch those tapes back i mean there was plenty of opportunities for the yankees to put us away with just one simple out and something strange you know would have happened so you can't always just blame it on the manager the next time you need a part for your car go to rockauto.com they've got all the parts that your car will ever need and they've got reliably low prices on those parts as well if you go down to the brick and mortar store on the corner you're gonna find they got markups all kinds of markups you can pay up to a hundred percent more for the same part that you can get rock auto for pretty darn cheap plus they've got all the parts for your car whether you're looking for a tail lamp a tail uh pipe whether you need a brake pad maybe you need a rotor for your brake maybe you need carpet for your car they've got it all whether you've got a brand new car from today or you're trying to restore an old chevy uh, let's say like a 60s camaro if you're trying to restore something like that go to rockauto.com they've got all the parts for that car and you can find it with their easy to use interface whether you are an expert and you know exactly your favorite brand or you need a little bit help rockauto.com has been doing this for over 20 years and they can help you go there today tell them that locked on sent you in the how'd you hear about us section when you're checking out at rockauto.com they've got all the parts that your car will ever need Thanks again for making Locked On Reds your first listen. Hashtag first listen of the day. Locked On Reds is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'm going to get Bronson's take on this because there was an article in The Athletic that Dusty had kind of said that he felt like he'd been unfairly dismissed from multiple jobs in the past. But when I when I look at Dusty, and I, I read this article in The Athletic, I don't know if you got a chance to see it too, where they quoted him and he was just like, I got dismissed from so many jobs that I didn't do really wrong. Like I, I won, I wanted those jobs and I still got dismissed from that. Seeing how his career has progressed. Was there kind of a moment where you're just like, man, why, why does he keep getting such a raw deal? Because I mean, from a fan aspect, I, I know that there were people that were just like, man, Brian Price is going to be a better manager than him. And then, you know, whenever the Nationals moved on and you see all these different teams moving on, how do you perceive that? Yeah, from what, I, from what I've seen and been around Dusty for five years and also talking to him, you know, still to this day, we talk at least a couple times a year. And um, I, I think what it is with Dusty is um, he, he's super opinionated, right? He's really strong on what he believes in. He, he likes to manage from his gut. 
and he doesn't always like to take the statistics of the game and apply them the way that newer baseball is doing, right? So that's that's one that's one reason. Now the, the statistics weren't being applied quite as much back when um, I was with the Reds after 2013 when he was there, but it was starting to come into the game. And and you're also seeing there was a time when managers made every decision that happens on the field. You know, as somebody in the dugout was making every decision, whether it was the pitching coach or your manager. But then there became a time when the front office wanted to start infiltrating that that conversation. And they wanted to start telling you why it is that Jay Bruce shouldn't be playing right field tonight because of X, Y, and Z, right? And and as years have gone on, more and more information is coming from the from the stat guys upstairs, and they're starting to dominate that. And Dusty doesn't allow that, right? He's like, This is my locker room. And I'm going to run this ship. You hired me to run the ship. Stay out. Right. And part of that. So you love that at first because he feels very confident. If you feel confident in, in, in the fact that he's not a wishy-washy guy. But then as one year goes by and you win 93, 94 games, but maybe you don't make it deep into the playoffs. And then the next year you've got some ideas that you want to implement. And Dusty is maybe kind of, you know, pushing back on those ideas. That's what I have seen over the years is that he has found a way to, you know, to kind of butt heads with the front office on some decision-making because he came from a place when, you know, the manager made all these decisions on his own. And these days, teams don't like that. Right. And, and I know you, you've talked a lot about his character and the way that he is off the field and things like that before with me on the podcast before. In case anybody hasn't listened, they should go back and listen to those. Um, but when it came to the playoffs – how was he as a manager? I know he, he probably didn't change personality wise or things like that, but right. what was it like coming in each day to the locker room, you know, during that run of 2010 and 2012 and 2013? Well, he's basically the same guy year round. I mean, you know, the way he approaches day one of the season is the same way you felt when, he, when we were going into the playoffs. I mean, maybe you'd have a little bit more of a, of an animated speech before a playoff game or a playoff series. But for the most part, I mean, Dusty is just such a, you know, an energetic guy. He comes to the ballpark every day as if he's a player, right? There's, and that is what the guys love about him is that you feel like you can't imagine that a guy could be 70 years old and still make you feel like he's out on the field. And that's why you see the funny things from the wristbands he wears that have his face on them to his toothpick to still wearing spikes sometimes in the dugout. Now, I think that is, I think he stopped doing that over the last probably five years, but he used to wear spikes every day. Now he's wearing tennis shoes because probably a little more comfortable on his knees and stuff. But, but for the most part, he is as close to still being a player as a manager as I've ever been around. And that is very comforting um, to be inside of a locker room with, when most managers are screaming, hey, turn the music off. You know, you guys are playing terrible. You know, turn the music off or turn the TVs off. Dusty would come to me and say, hey, man, where's the music? He's like, well, we ain't got nothing if we ain't got no music, right? <laughs> like he lives his life by music in a lot of ways, right? So he's he's this guy who who lives by somewhat superstition, somewhat gut. He's got a lot of energy. He loves the offbeat things of life. He, he isn't all about just being kind of a straight-laced guy. And so that makes you feel like he's one of the boys. And that's what's so fun to... Uh, to play for him and and as, so as the season goes on he's always the same guy I mean he just he has these routines I mean if you walk into his locker room he's got an iPod as labeled clubhouse iPod you know for my desk and then he's got another one that's for his car like he has the things he likes and he sticks with those things and it's part of his ritual and what has made him who he is in the game and um, it's also it's also why you stick to your guns in crunch time and sometimes I can bite you in the butt maybe once in a while but there's obviously been a ton of successes and that's why he can to get another job you know year after year what were some of his favorite tunes 
He is so eclectic with food and, and music. Honestly, it'd be impossible to say. I mean, he just, he kind of spans all genres. I asked him one time, I said, you know, why are you such a big foodie? And why do you have such a big array of, 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 um, of, of likes in, 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 in that, you know, you're not just talking about German food or Italian food. You're talking about all of them. And why is that? And, and he said his mother used to cook a different meal every night growing up you know, from a different culture and it just kind of bled into him and him growing up and being around Hate ashbury and, and, and being in that San Francisco Sacramento scene for so many years, not only as a player, but as a kid, you know, I think some of that rubbed off on him and he kind of um, is that way musically. I mean, he goes, you know, everything from Eric Clapton all the way to hip hop, but I think his, his sweet spot is probably j jazz and, and blues. You know, if a guy like Buddy Guy is playing around town in Chicago, he's going to go to the show, right? He likes the old, a lot of the old cats and that, that's definitely going to be a sweet spot, but he, um, he, he, he'll always surprise you and, and bring something out of his back pocket that you didn't think he was into. And that's just who he is. Looking at this Astros Braves World Series, betonline.ag has the odds for game one at uh, the Astros minus 130, the Braves plus 120. This is just to get a 1-0 series lead. So this is game one. Now with Charlie Morton and Framber Valdez on the mound, they have the over-under set at eight and a half. Going to give you a little bit of tip today. I think we're hitting the over on that. The Braves and the Astros have both gotten here because of their lineups, because of the way that they hit the ball, and I think that's going to continue. I think that both teams' pitching staffs are going to get gassed in this series, and I think that they're going to score a lot of runs here in Game 1. Over under at 8.5, I'm taking the over, and currently betonline.ag has that at plus 100, so if you bet 5, you'll get 5. You bet 20, you'll get 20. I'm saying take the over 8.5 in Game 1 of the World Series with Charlie Morton and Framber Valdez on the mound. That's over 8.5 at betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag, set up your profile with the promo code locked on to get 50% more on your initial deposit and make some money. Astros Braves over eight and a half in game one of the World Series. I always think of 2013 and the craziness of that game in Pittsburgh and, and kind of how everything went down. How did he react to that? I don't specifically remember um, seeing his body language that day. You know, what I remember from that game was very early on. The, the crowd being really intense, almost like a felt, felt like an NFL football game because the Pirates hadn't had a, a playoff in a long time. They brought the energy to the ballpark that day and, and the chance of, you know, Cueto, Cueto, Cueto. Um, and I knew we were going to I knew we were going to have a hard time hitting, um, you know, who they had on the mound that day which was Liriano. You know, his he was a guy who was just throwing a lot of sliders, staying down in the zone. He was, he was a guy who wasn't going to give in and it was going to be tough to put like two and three hits together off him. So if you didn't hit a home run early in the game, it was going to be tough. And um, I, that's what I really remember from that day. I don't remember Dusty's body language. I do remember his pregame speech. He, he was talking about Hank Aaron and, and some of the old guys he had played with when he was really, really young. Um, and he also said, you know, let's go win one because I, I need another house in Hawaii. <laughs> he, he dropped that on us that day too. Um, he'd been talking about that house in Hawaii for a long time. I don't know if he's gotten it yet, but hopefully if, if he hadn't, maybe this is the year. Um, but, you know, he's, he's also a guy who doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't back down from a challenge and he, he definitely doesn't get nervous in big situations. He definitely loves, he loves the limelight. He, he knows that's what he's here to live for, right? It's, it's not a type of guy who's like, oh, we've had a great season and now we get in the playoffs, I'm going to panic. I mean, Dusty is definitely not a guy who panics. I mean, he is, he is, you know, I didn't get to see him obviously, you know, in his first few years of being a manager, but by the time I got to be around him, he was so seasoned. I mean, you kind of, 
you, you know you know what the game's about and if you if you were a type of guy who was going to panic in big situations i don't think he would have lasted this long you know so he's he's basically what you get on him on day one in spring training is what you're going to get during the world series you're not going to see much of a different personality nice you think he's got any different flavored toothpicks for the world series he might. I, I I saw him on TV the other day. He's experimenting every once in a while. Somebody had given him a couple that were soaked in some, in some some sort of like moonshine or bourbon something. Or yeah, yeah, bourbon. And they said, yeah, he was after he tried them. He he uh he said, oh, I get it now. I get it now. But you know, he's he's actually you know since he had that stroke with us back in 2013 before the playoffs, you know his heart wasn't working really good and he was he was retaining some water and he went to the hospital they were getting some of that water out and making sure that his heart was functioning better and uh, as he was walking out he started actually um stuttering and, and and slurring his speech and they realized he was having a stroke so it's ever since that time he has slowed down a little bit on his drinking and his partying you know and i mean he, that, that's the other thing that's so great about him is that not only is he the most um, well-informed guy inside the locker room, knowing what guys are doing, bringing food to players, know who's sick, sending flowers to somebody's mother. But he also is the guy who's out at the club at night watching Buddy Guy and bringing a T-shirt back to me signed by Buddy and being out all night and then the first guy at the ballpark. You know, I mean, he just, he is just an amazing guy and so well-rounded. And, you know, some of that obviously has had to slow down, like I said, over the years because of a little bit of health issues. And that's why you see him wearing the mask and you see him wearing the gloves all the time now is, is basically to, to guard himself against health issues because I believe he has some sort of cancer also in the past. So, um, but, you know, a lot of times for him, it's just, you know, he, he's a guy who can, can figure it out. I mean, I, I really believe that if, if, if his body would hold up, he could, he could manage for another 20 years because it doesn't matter how young the guys get in the locker room. You know, if you're around Dusty and you hear him speak just for, just for an hour, you, you, you tend to really just love the enthusiasm that he has it's it's so funny to to see all the different articles talking about how you know the cheating and all that stuff with houston and and how he was the perfect guy to really kind of bring them out of that dude all the stuff that they've dealt with like do you look at that differently or do you just say man this is this is about dusty and just kind of blow through that um you know, I I, th I think he was the perfect guy for that job. There's no doubt. There's a lot of managers who are a lot more a lot more insecure and self conscious about what people think about them. And I know for a fact that Dusty does not care what other people think about him for the most part. You know, he presents what he wants to present, and you can take it or leave it. And I've I've I have been, you know, I've been sitting on a plane when he was chewing my butt out about dressing the rookies up and he didn't want me to dress Araldus Chapman up for the third time or whatever. And Araldus had refused to put on the outfit. So I dressed him up again, you know, and Dusty was chewing my butt about it. He, he said, I told you not to do that. Why'd you do it? And uh, I was basically saying, you know, that everybody from the general manager down to the, the guys cleaning the clubhouse thought that Araldus was the guy who needed to put on the, you know, an outfit more than anybody else. Right. Because he didn't quite have respect for authority. And, um, you know, Dusty's screaming on the plane, you know, that this is my mother effing team. And I, and, and you can tell Walt Jockey did that right to his face. And Walt's sitting three seats up from him and he's screaming. Dusty does not care. I mean, he is a guy's guy. He's a man's man and he runs a ship the way he wants to. And I got a lot of respect for that. Um, you know, I think he was the perfect guy because, you know, he wasn't there when the cheating scandal was going on, first of all. Second of all, you know, Alex Cora played a big part in that, and that was who they were playing against on the other side of the locker room. So you, you really you really couldn't say anything about it. You got the Red Sox, you know, manager who's been been there, who was, who was a, a key part of that kind of strategy to try to, you know, defraud the game a little bit. And, um, you know, Dusty is the guy, like I said, that can just take those, he can take those questions from the media and, you know, he's going to play ball for a little while, which he did early in, in, in the season, you know, and he said, you know, 
whatever he said was probably somewhat cordial to the media. But if you ask him about it now in the middle of the playoffs, he's probably going to come at you pretty hard and be like, hey, man, it didn't have nothing to do with me. So let's just play baseball. And that, that's the way he is. And, and that's what you need sometimes. It was, part of, it was part of who I was as a pitcher too, that I was easy going. But at the end of the day, I would say what I needed to say inside of a locker room or anywhere else to make sure that I could be um, clear of mind coming to the ballpark every day and really enjoy my in atmosphere and not let some sort of, you know, some sort of outside entity, whether it was media or fans or whatever it is, kind of like stick in your craw a little bit and kind of upset you know, your, your being every day, you know, Dusty wants to come to the park and feel happy, go lucky. And let's get after it. Let's play some music and let's play some good baseball. I'm, I'm pulling for him. I'm glad that he's made it. And I really hope he gets that ring. And we're going to change gears on tomorrow's podcast. We're going to talk more about the red season, how Bronson perceives it, because from a player's perspective, he's going to give me a different answer than probably what you're expecting. We're going to jump into that tomorrow. Also want to get some thoughts from him on the impending lockout and kind of how players handle all that and things of that nature. And I want to know what he thinks makes a pitcher good. That's all on tomorrow's podcast. You're not going to miss it. Thank you so much for listening today. If you aren't already, make sure that you're subscribed. And thanks for making Lockdown Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. Now, go check out the Lockdown MLB podcast as Sully gets you ready for the World Series. And he'll have all kinds of coverage each and every day on the Lockdown MLB podcast, just like Lockdown Reds, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'll talk to each and every one of you tomorrow. 